the bills make me wanna shout. Kick your heels up and shout. Throw your hands up and shout. Throw your head back and shout. Come on now, the bills are making it happen now. Stand up now, come on and shout. Yeah, 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 yeah. Welcome back, listeners, to another exciting episode of Bills and Beers, the Buffalo Bills preview podcast from the Bills backers here in Chicago, Illinois. The featured on buffalobills.com Bills backers of Chicago, Illinois. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. I'm Lars. Joining me tonight here in the condominium of Billy the Kid Nichols. I'm with Billy and Cass. Bill, say hello. Hello, everybody. And of course, the lovely Miss Cassie Ozark with us tonight, as always. Greetings. Happy holidays. It was a happy holiday season. It was a great Thanksgiving for yours, truly. I trust that you guys had good times with your families. Billy, I know you were back in Buffalo. And then the Bills laid a big stinky turd on Sunday in Indianapolis. We'll get to that in a moment. Our website is billsandbeers.com. That's our Facebook page. That's the best way to communicate with us. Uh, Tell a friend. Download our podcast on iTunes. And without further ado, gang, let's just get right into some Buffalo Bills football talk. Well, for the first 10 weeks of the season, uh, all we needed was the defense to pick up the slack a little bit, and we thought for sure that this team would have it all together. Now the defense has picked up the slack, and sure enough, the offense has completely fallen off a cliff. Some blame play calling, some just flat out blame our quarterback, others blame the talent on our roster. I gotta believe that at this point it's kind of a perfect storm of all the aforementioned. Either way, watching that Colts game on Sunday, knowing that it was ours for the taking, a couple questionable calls here and there, and less than one score separating us, well I should say one score specifically, um, it was tough to watch. Watching this team only put up 13 points on an inferior defense. Guys, what are your initial thoughts? Yeah, by the way, I didn't realize that uh, the Colts had... There are two starting cornerbacks out of the game. <laughs> well, that's why we kept having guys running free down the sideline, and our quarterback just simply couldn't hit them. So my my assessment is, and I've been I've been saying something similar uh, all season, but uh, it's it rings uh, even truer now, and that is that there's there's so much talent across the league. There's t- there's enough talent on our team to be doing better. And that's like, okay, our defense is at a point where they're playing better. They're not, they're keeping us in games. They're not losing games for us. Our offense though is not, but our offense before was doing very well. So what it comes down to at the end of the day is having a system, having leadership uh, that everyone is on the same page and whether it's mental errors or it's, you know, being in the wrong place at the wrong time, or it's, or it's the play calling, it all comes down to coaching. And that's right now where uh, I'm the most frustrated, and I think that is the biggest reason why we're not having any success right now. Now, Cassie was with me at the bar with Jeff, Jim and Jeff Jay, um, the forgotten member of the Bills and Beers crew who now spends his time perched up in Evanston uh, getting that uh, all-too-valuable MBA. The recurring litany on Sunday and has been for the last couple of weeks is, okay, run the ball, run it here, run it here, run it here. And how many times would you say, what, of what percentage of the time do you think the Bills actually run the ball when we say, now would be the time to run the ball? Um, since we say run the ball in every play, <laughs> or that we should run the ball in every play, I'd say probably, especially on Sunday, about 20%. 
25%. I mean, we went a few, I feel like a few possessions, three and out. We didn't even run the ball once. And, and, and as, as Bill was saying, it, it comes down to coaching, but it comes down mainly play calling. And, and, you know, I think Chan's like, oh, they're too, you know, corners are out. So I'm going to get cute and try to like beat them at their own game. It's like, no, just keep doing what we're good at and that will win the game. But we didn't do that. And folks have been critical of Gailey for that specific reason, that he sees nine guys in the box and he immediately backs off. No, if the run game is your bread and butter, make them stop you. It's sort of uh, analogous to the situation we have brewing in Washington right now, where the threat of a filibuster is enough to derail a bill. Let the guys filibuster. Let those nine guys in the box stop you. Until they have, they haven't stopped you. But we shy away from it. Mm -hmm. And likewise, another point that we've made on coaching before is that you need to put your players in a position to succeed. Stevie came out and said that they need to put Ryan Fitzpatrick in called excuse me, Ryan Fitzpatrick in charge of the play calls, that he should have more opportunity and more ability to audible from the line. Now that makes perfect sense to me. Why? Because Ryan Fitzpatrick is not a good quarterback. Okay? He's a he's an excellent quarterback when it comes to leadership. When it comes to being the guy in the field that's going to work hard until the whistle until the whistle blows, but he cannot pass the football, yeah. and that's that's an instrumental part of being being a quarterback. So if his best asset is pre-snap reads and making the right call, why is that responsibility being taken away from him? And why are we trying right. to shoehorn yeah. him into a game plan which clearly doesn't fit his skill set? Right. It's not. It's like working for a guy that just micromanages. Right. It's. You're not empowering your employee, who is Ryan Fitzpatrick, to use his smarts and use his like uh, you know ability to read those defenses to actually make those make those play calls. And also, there's something about just like f- feeling the play, feeling the energy of those players around you, you know, and being able to look in their eyes and holler, you know, you know who's hot, you know who's not, you know who like is ready on that play, and it could be that last second decision. Um, just based upon something that you see as a player that a coach can never see because they they're not they're not on the field. So and and all t- and, and by all accounts, excuse me, Fitz is a leader of men, and those guys in the huddle trust him. So if he's going to call on them, if if he's the one calling on them, that is going to motivate them to play because these guys will play for Fitz, and I truly believe that. Now my wife. Uh, who is going to be a master's in sports psychology, made a great comment uh, the other day. And I never thought about it this way, but the true, and this goes back to coaching, because this is always the chicken and egg argument when it comes to coaches in professional leagues. A coach's job is not to motivate. Any leader's job is not to motivate, because if you have people there, they're already motivated to be there. Professional athletes are paid to be there. A lot of them have egos. They want to win. They want to be the best. The job of a good leader is not to demotivate. And when Chan Gailey puts his players in positions where they can't succeed, they start losing faith and they're demotivated. And we see things like we saw on Sunday that we haven't seen all year. The O-line getting blown up. You know, Fitz just winging the ball over the field. You know, CJ had a couple big runs, but he couldn't get in any rhythm because he couldn't get the ball ever. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, overall, I I agree completely that Fitzy is is not the best quarterback. But if a Harvard quarterback, I mean, he's intelligent. It's not like we have Cam Newton out there. Or, you know, some some rookie quarterback that just doesn't have the brain capacity. I think that's where you need to say, okay, that's his strength. His strength is probably at analyzing and reading and he can like take in a lot of that information and kind of figure that stuff all out. Why aren't we giving him the ability to do that? You know, and instead we're saying, Hey, 
throw this deep ball to Donald Jones, who shouldn't be getting a deep yeah. ball ever. Who's got and, the worst catching radius of any starting wide receiver in the NFL. And, you know, knock on wood, cross our fingers, you know, rub our magic rabbit's foot that the play's going to work. Well, and by all accounts, Fitzpatrick is as good or better than any starting quarterback in the NFL at dissecting plays from the line. I've never heard anybody say more consistently that that is a quarterback's strength. So why why are we not letting him do that? If if he's elite in one capacity, in one capacity alone, then we should be doing everything possible. We should he should be calling all of the offensive plays. Well, I think this would be interesting. There's got to be like some like type of slot machine thing out there that puts the percentages of numbers of plays of what's called during an NFL game. So you know, sixty percent are run plays. Blah blah blah. It'd be interesting to just have a program like that call the call the you know plays for our offense and see how successful that is. Right. Because Jan Gailey's anal- you know analytics and saying, oh, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. I, isn't being successful. I'd trust rather like a computer just pressing a button and letting the wheel go around and be like, yep, we're going to call that play. Or likewise, like the old Bill Walsh used to script the first 20 offensive plays. Yeah. It's the same concept applies. And what what drives me nuts about Chan Gailey and this over-analyst, every once in a while he's right on the money. And when he does, a play goes for a big gain and he, he gets it. But Jesus, teams know we're going to run that stupid little bubble screen to CJ. Like, it's clear. That's our bread and butter. And sometimes it works. Most times it doesn't. And when it doesn't work, it gets blown up for a four-yard loss. Yeah. Yeah. So Fitz's uh, inaccuracy drives me crazy. It's I've, I've reached a breaking point. Can I say this about his accuracy? I think that... <laughs> About his inaccuracy? No, no, his accuracy. Because we've seen Fitzpatrick throw passes that you're like, holy crap. He had yeah, less than a half inch all, on either side. However, but they're all they're all the same type of throw where it's like the slant past the time, those timing routes. Right, and it exactly. One, it can't be one-dimensional. The less time he has to think about it, the better he does. So when he's playing on instinct and when he, when he's throwing the ball without thinking about it with with less time, and I'm going to bring this back to me for a second here. I know I don't usually talk about myself, <laughs> but that's the way I used to play when I when I played water polo and when I played basketball. If I if I was looking at the goal for more than a second or two before I shot, nine times out of ten I would miss it. If I just like wound up and cranked it without even looking, I usually make it. But the more I thought about it, the more I, I looked at where the goalie was, tried to figure out where in the goal that I wanted to put the ball, I'd more or less miss. And I think Fitz does the same thing. I think he sees defenders. I think he sees where he thinks he should throw it, and his head gets in the way, and that's when he comes up inaccurate. And I think it comes back to what we're talking about. If we let him play by instinct and just let it rip, I think that's when we see him be accurate. But to your point, he is more often not inaccurate, but I think it goes back yeah. to your original point. It's because of coaching. I mean, the, you, you know, you can... You can make that argument, but when you look at the at, at Ryan Fitzpatrick's history, I mean, that you need to take that into account. I mean, what who's who's he been in the league for all of this time? I mean, a backup quarterback. Like if we cut him right now, what teams would pick him up? No, I mean, would any would any team have him be their starting quarterback? He's a very good backup. I he's mean, he's I, probably the best backup you could ask for. Yeah. But so the interception that well, he th- uh, not maybe not as good as uh, Colin uh, Kirkpatrick. Oh, Kaepernick. 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 Yeah. yeah. Well, that interception he th- he threw in the fourth quarter that Stevie stripped the guy and we got the ball right back. Did you see the replay, Bill? Because I know we did at the bar, yeah. and we made it a point to say there wasn't a Bills player within a mile. <laughs> he just threw it right to the defender. Did you see this? Uh yes. 
I mean, it, <laughs> see, we talk about accuracy. He yeah. he hit that defender with utmost accuracy. I mean, yeah. I I think also it needs to be looked at like the the deep pass isn't really his thing, but. But the no. deep hold pass. On, hold on, hold on. It's an easy hold pass on. that are, that are was, to make. He's, hold on. he's overthinking it. I Who? know this. <laughs> I know this to be true. I know this to be true. No. A high school quarterback can not, make that pass. He's Who? just not talented enough. Bullshit! No, a high school quarterback can make that no, pass. You have who certain was quarterbacks who are, are good at certain things? Like Dude, he's got, just letting it rip. Think about it's Rob not, it's Johnson. It's an easy pass. Think about Rob Johnson was very good at that, like you know, long. Uh, uh, JP could stare it out. That's what I was going to say. Oh, yeah, who, JP, was our, JP, who was our JP last go-long quarterback? Right. JP Lawson. Right. Could he hit a screen pass? No. Like five yards out? Right. No. So, I mean, I would. Be interested. That's because I, I the be deep ball is an easy pass to throw, but especially be, when you got a guy, guys like TJ Graham and CJ Spiller, where you literally just have to throw it up and let them go get it. But it's I, almost impossible to overthrow those guys. I would be interested to say to Ryan Fitzpatrick, "Deep pass isn't your isn't your pass, is it?" Like I, I would, I would be curious to hear what his response right, is. Like, what the hell did David Lee do during the offseason? Again, I'm coming back to the deep pass of all the passes that guy throws. That is the easiest pass. He throws that pass up the seam to receivers in stride. He throws the screen pass. He throws the slant pass. These passes are infinitely harder. <laughs> the 17-yard the out to David Nelson that was his bread and butter. Like, these are difficult passes. Straight down the sideline, that is an easy pass. I could make that pass. Yeah. Bill, you could make that pass. I could, yeah. I mean, it would, it would be really good. Ah, He's overthinking it. I, I, I'm telling you, that is the diagnosis. He needs a good sports psychologist. I'll get my wife on the horn. Okay. <laughs> well, we could go on and on and on about this. Um, we're not technically eliminated from the playoffs yet, but we're pretty darn close. Uh, we're hanging on for dear life at this point, which is, I think, why there's a little bit of ire in the room right now. But we do have the Jacksonville Jaguars coming into Ralph Wilson Stadium on Sunday. They are pretty bad. Uh, so we could get back on the winning track. Uh, uh what is what is the Marv saying? Uh, yesterday, yesterday is history. Tomorrow is a mystery, and today is a gift. That's why they call it the present. So uh, let's put let's put the past behind us, and uh, let's talk about these Jacksonville Jaguars. So this, this is the first time in all of my life that I can remember my, I know, this is the first time ever. It's not even like a memory thing. This is the first time where my father is not going to a game uh, because he just doesn't feel like it. Like Really? He is, you, your dad has not missed a game in all these 13 years of... He has missed the game for, you know, because of some some travel oh, circumstance. Okay. Some circumstance. But this is the first where he's just like, eh, the hell yeah. with it. Now, he's traveling to Syracuse the, uh, later, like, later that day, but he very well could go for like a half or the entire game. I mean, it's a turd bowl. It's yeah. the I mean, Jaguars. This, right. the, the team that 15, loses is moving to L.A. Come on, think about <laughs> there it. There are 15,000 tickets still up for sale right now. Like, the game's blacked out. It's... It's pathetic. Well, who's the who's the who's the uh, used car? Salvador Par- Paragama. What, what's his name? No, um, 
Yeah, what's his... Uh, Sal- it's Salvador something. Salvador, the... No, it's huge. Fusillo. Fusillo Chevrolet. <laughs> no, I, don't think, I don't think that's it. No. But he's the guy who bought all the tickets last year to avoid the blackout. Oh. And, he, and he recently just dropped like 185 grand to get like flat screen TVs at some children's ward in a hospital somewhere. So this guy's just like a, a philanthropist of the Buffalo community. And so, so we're kind of banking on him, but whatever. We live in Chicago, well, so we'll be watching on the ticket. Nobody cares. So your dad's going to be leaving for Syracuse a little bit early, isn't he? Yeah, so he can get there and watch the yeah. game. And it's just, eh. well, no, I don't know. I don't, I don't think so. I think he's just gonna literally be like, whatever. I mean, I'm just not even gonna pay attention to it. Okay, but your dad has several decades on us. But can we honestly say? Now, I was so pissed when I left the bar Sunday. Like, I literally just put on my jacket and left. I was like, bye. I'm out of here. I was so pissed. I was grumpy all day Monday. But today, I'm sitting at my desk at work going, like, God, I can't wait till Sunday. I can't wait to watch this team. <laughs> like, can we honestly say that we're not just amped up to watch this team play every Sunday? I am. I'm, I'm amped oh, up yes. to see what I'm going to see. I'm amped up to see CJ and, <sighs> and a little bit of Ryan Fitzpatrick and to, to see Kyle Williams, you know, what he can just do. Like, hey, and Mario Williams having a little... By the way, Mario Williams has eight and a half sacks right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Four in the last, what five in the last four games? It doesn't matter. He will he will finish the season with twelve or thirteen sacks. Here's the thing. Here here's <laughs> the here's the thing that. <laughs> nothing. Although wait a one time out. Mario Williams had a hell of a game in Indianapolis. He got a, he had two big sacks on third down. He was the he's the one guy that we cannot point to in that Indianapolis game and say what the hell, buddy. So here's what gets me. Okay, it's like this time of year where I start thinking about. I'm never, I've never been one of those people that's like, oh, I want us to lose out no. so we get a better draft pick. That's stupid. Mm-hmm. However, if we win a few of these games, my fear is that Shane Gailey will still be at the helm next year. Mm. He will have proved himself as in a, we are an improved team. We just need a couple more pieces to put it all together, blah, 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 and it scares me. Okay, let me ask you this. In... in- Relative to what was put on our Facebook page today, is Chan Gailey to quarterbacks what Mike Shanahan is to running backs? Mm. That's a good, that's a really good question. I mean, he, I, what is his pass with quarterbacks? I'm, I'm, Cordell Stewart, Tyler Thigpen. I mean, he's he's made otherwise marginal QBs. Worse. No, solid, <laughs> like solid players. And I think we can say it, and that was the spirit of what was on our Facebook page today, is like, I think what we're getting from Ryan Fitzpatrick is bar none the best that anybody would ever get from that guy. Right. And, and that's what, what is I'm... it? Right. And the, uh, so, to, but the point is, so right. if, if Gailey stays right. and we get a new quarterback, can we depend on that quarterback if he has a wider skill set than Fitzpatrick, than being at least serviceable, which is more than most teams can say. Well, if Gailey stays, Fitzpatrick is still our guy. So either they're, either it's a new coach and a new quarterback, or but it's, it's a not, new coach it's not and Gailey's fit. call. That's Buddy Nix's call. Right. Uh, well, Chang Gailey is a great offensive coordinator. He's great with Ryan Fitzpatrick, um, except for the fact that we just talked about that he, wouldn't let, that he doesn't let him uh, call enough plays. But can he do that and head, and be a good head coach at the same time? Is there a chance that we get a new head coach and he's just demoted to offensive coordinator? I don't think there's a chance in hell. I would agree. I would agree. And you know what? If we do get a new coach, I want somebody that doesn't look like my grandpa on the yes. sidelines yes. that's going to read me a bedtime story. I want somebody who's under the age of 45. I want somebody who's going to rip apart 
the team. You know, I don't care if it's Mike Singletary and all the crap that he bought to San Francisco. Like, I just want to see some emotion out there. I'm just like, just you know, real clear, I Perry. do care that it's Mike. Well, Perry oh, Fuel's Perry fi- Fuel. he's fifty. That was the first thing I looked at when it, it, people started talking about it. Perry Fuel's fifty years old. No, n- nobody over the age of forty-five. I want a guy with youth and vigor and a little bit of. Hutzpah, some drive on the sidelines. None of this. Yeah, exactly. No, no old balls. No down around our knees balls. We need, we need to establish what Buffalo Bills football is. Exactly. What is it right now? I mean, what what is it? (laughs) Mediocrity across the board. It's just like okay. Let's throw a bunch of shit at the wall. The Bucky Gleason or what's Bucky? Is it what's his name? Bucky Gleason is a Buffalo News. Did you read his column on Ralph? No. I mean. And that's the argument that everyone always makes. Like you, you can sit here in Hemmen Hall, we want about Chan, about Buddy Nix, about Fitzpatrick. The buck stops with Ralph Wilson. And, Ra- and, and by all accounts, Ralph Wilson got lucky with Bill Polian, but for the entire existence of the Buffalo Bills, there has there's never even been even shades of anything better than mediocrity. So I've had I've had a conspiracy theory for some time now, okay? And that is that the NFL is waiting for Ralph Wilson to drop dead, at which point the story of the Buffalo Bills coming back and being like the team that rises to glory, uh, it'll just be, it's finally like a story, but AKA, they're waiting for this guy to die. AKA the Oakland Raiders. Is that what happened? Well, yeah, but then. No, they have uh, yet to rise, but, uh, but what's his name? Uh, Al Davis. Al Davis passed away. That, that would have been the more of a more perfect story than the Probably. Bills. You know what I'm going to say? This is going to be hard for me to do because it's going to be like nine months of my life. Right. (laughs) It's going to be nine months of my life. But no matter what we do in (laughs) the off season, not pregnant. (laughs) No matter what we do in the off season, no matter who we pick up, no matter who we draft, no matter what, I am not going to have a positive attitude or a. This is going to be the year for our team. Not until day one when they actually go out there and play and prove it to me. Am I going to? Because when we signed Mario Williams, I was like, dude, we're going to the freaking playoffs. Super Bowl. Buy my, buy my ticket right now. I thought we were coasting all the way in. I don't believe you have the ability to not be, po- to not be positive. Right. Like, when the draft comes around, you're going to get excited. Okay, well, we're getting way off topic. We know the Jaguars coming to town. Fuck the Jaguars. <laughs> well, it's the first ta- <laughs> time we'll have seen yeah. Paul Puzlesny since his departure. Uh, now that we've gone back to the 4-3, how do you think he would look in place of Melvin Shepard? Uh, Kelvin Shepard, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) So, okay, yeah, I think we're all in agreement there. Okay, all right, well, let's talk about this Sunday's game. Same. There are are some things that remain. We have, if we lose one game and win out, this will be the first non-losing season since 2004. That's, hey, it's still a milestone, okay? We're baby steps. If we win out... It'll be the first winning season since 2004. If we make the playoffs, the streak has ended. So we still have a couple milestones in front of us. This season is not yet lost. If, if we make the playoffs, you mean if God comes down and physically, like, I don't know. our team? I think... <clears throat> there are way too many things. I, what are you not, smoking? Dude, dude the, the Colts are bad. The Colts are bad. We should have beaten the Colts. Everybody can beat the Colts. The Colts are not good. What yeah. are you smoking? Yeah, but they, they have enough belief in themselves right now to win... Baloney. They're, they're bad. They're, that is a bad football team we lost to. That is a bad football team we lost to. And they were... I'll be shocked if they make the playoffs. You heard it here first. I... If the Bills make the playoffs, I will give you a million dollars. If they don't, you have to give me one dollar. 
That's, Fine, deal. That's like my deal. my. I will make that bet. I'm I'm still <laughs> winning that bet hands down. I'm gonna get a dollar. Oh, good. You just bet against your own team, Cassie. Some fan you are. Yeah, well, you know what? They bet against me every Sunday. They put me through turmoil. All right. So I'm looking forward to having a buffalo chicken sandwich at Lincoln Station on Sunday. Yeah. yeah. I'm looking forward to a lot of things. I'm looking forward to seeing your two beautiful faces. Yeah, thank you. All right. Well, let's uh, let's, uh, get, let's get into predictions then for this you know Sunday. What, yeah, for you, you know what? Uh, before we leave today, uh, I feel like we need to thank Sujit Janarden. <laughs> Is that for, how it's pronounced? For doing a fantastic job. Uh, dealing with the media and all of the exposure that was, uh, I mean, we're, we get a lot of phone calls, a lot of emails, and we need to, normally it's tough to sort of handle all these requests, but uh, this one media request was specifically handled by Suji, and he did a fantastic job. More on that in a second. You can edit that. <laughs> uh, so prediction time. Uh, we're sitting right now, what, four and seven? Is that where we are, four and seven? God, that is a bad record. Um, four and seven. Um, uh, Jacksonville Jaguars coming to town. How do we see this one playing out? The Bills lose six to three. Okay. Uh, Bills lose thirty-one to ten. Uh, I'm going to say, uh, Bill. I'm going to. I think the Bills are going to take this one, uh, twenty-seven seventeen. Uh, now, <clears throat> back to uh, Sujit for a second. He did a bang-up job, uh, including what. <laughs> how did he? I mean, I love how you can not even like let the let it be like, hey, nice job. Immediately, it's like, what's with that picture? <laughs> well, the picture, the picture is one thing, but that's not his fault. He gave him the wrong website. Oh yeah, BillsBeers.Podbean.com. How, how how did he get that website? I have no idea. How no seriously? How did he get that website? It how used, did it make? It used to be our website. I know that two years ago. Anyhow, so that was my one thing. I was like, what the hell is it with the? Yeah. But anyhow, okay. We missed all those, all those likes. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Uh, and it, more, Did you see a spike in likes, by the way? Not in likes. We got, uh, a, few, we got a few. Well, Facebook's insight has been slowed down such that you there's been no insight since the 24th. So there's no way of telling of wow. what traffic drew. And I, I checked other Facebook pages. I've been, your life, man. Yeah, I checked other pages I'm an administrator of, and that seems to be the case across the board. Well, we haven't done this in a, in a while, um, but I have an idea. Uh, and since we are, at best, going to be shooting for the wild card uh, this year, I think it's time to uh, venture into the uh, oft-forgotten segment of this show, uh, the wild card segment. Bill, would you like to get us started? It's the wild card so with Paul Puzlesny coming back to the Ralph Wilson, which, by the way, with him coming to play the Bills, I think we can <clears throat> pretty much bank on him breaking his forearm or <laughs> any other. <clears throat> and also, speaking of which, um, I just I got to shoehorn this in here because I hate the Patriots so much. So the Patriots got dinged with a player who was on uh, performance-enhancing drugs. Mm. Uh, we didn't discuss this on the show, but uh, the game that they played us, they had three players – get fined in that game. Right. Okay. At what point do you start looking at illegal hits and performance enhancing drugs as competitive advantages that you should have to surrender wins for? Am I crazy? Am I talking crazy here when I say this? Because if a guy on HDH or whatever it is that the guy is suspended for, if that substance gave him a little extra boost and he was able to shed a block and get a sack and force a fumble that was ultimately the, the turning point in that game – then that whole game is compromised. Right. What good does it do to suspend somebody after that if right. they've already made that impact? I mean, Lance Armstrong's had to give up all of his titles. Exactly. So, 
It's not the Patriots who are guilty of it, but speaking of forearms, did it strike you guys a little weird that Gostowski had a forearm break right before all these these tests came out? A break or an injury that isn't readily apparent in a player such that he doesn't limp off the field. You know, he can conceivably come back because it's it's kind of a it's it's just kind of a, a an injury, a break that wouldn't otherwise affect your play and then it's very tender there. Did that strike anybody else as funny? Wait, that they what's the what's funny about it? The fact that they when did they rule it a forearm injury? Uh, the week before the the testing. So after the actual injury, or did they disclose an injury and then he got injured? No, he got injured and then the the round of testing. I think that's the chronology. But that was my first thought was, wow, how convenient that Kostowski is probably nowhere to be found when these tests are going on. Well, he's probably getting tested, but he's sneaking things in an arm cast. I mean, have you seen that guy? I mean, have we seen that guy? I mean, I know his dad owns like a whatever... A gym, a bodybuilding thing, but he, uh, I don't know about you it. You think he's not breaking a forearm? So why, why would they lie? Why, I don't understand. Why would they lie about that? Because it, it might get him out of having to do the tests. Oh. But again, it comes back to what's the consequence? Are you, are you talking about the tests as in the uh, supplement tests? Yeah. Oh, I see. Oh, maybe. But it comes down to, again, you know, I guess at some point we got to start giving Bill Belichick props. Because of all the stuff that he does, and all the way that all the way that he circumvents the rule book, there's virtually no consequence. Find a guy fifty thousand dollars, big whoop. That's the equivalent of finding me like eighty bucks, right? Like big deal. If if it means my team got an extra win when wins are. But the NFL, I feel like the NFL never wants to come hard, come down hard on the Patriots because they want them to be there mm-hmm. at the end of the season. They want for their all of, all I'm not of saying, their ratings I'm not, and everything. I, and yeah, and just like that's, they, just that's, like that's they a wanted, case to prove. just like they wanted not to review that play at the end of the first half against <sighs> the against the Colts. I mean. The NFL wanted the Colts to win that game. We suck, right? I mean, we didn't okay, deserve that, to win the game. That, okay, and you, okay, you got me going. But that first play from scrimmage, the, oh, holy crap! Oh, Kyle Williams yeah. literally ran five steps Dude. while a guy had him by. How do you miss that call? And here's the thing: first play from scrimmage that sets the tone. That means that number sixty-four knows he can get away with that moving forward. That means if he doesn't get flagged, if he does get flagged, yep. he's gonna he's gonna alter his behavior moving forward. He didn't get flagged. And then the picture we put on Facebook was him having Alex Carrington in a chokehold. Again, not called. Hey, by the way, the that NFL, was, it's a business. Right. Yeah, but that was that was just, oh my God, that was abhorrent. That was terrible. That what was do you ch- think? Do you, I mean, do you think the refs are told before the game, hey, listen, if there's anything that's debatable... Air to the side of. See, I have trouble. I have trouble envisioning the reality in which those calls are made. I really do. Because, again, I hate to keep bringing it up. Jackie works with referees, and those guys take their job seriously. And a scandal that a guy gets caught up in, or if your name is tied to any kind of game fixing or anything like that, you're done. Your career is over. So I have trouble imagining that reality, but. It's happened more often than not, and the Bills are on the losing end of it. It's Sometimes you just you have to scratch your head and go, what is really going on out there? There could be subliminal messages that the refs are being sent that they have no idea. Like, the, the NFL is, like, screwing with their heads, sending them messages. So that, that could be it. 
I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. That could be it. They've got Miss Cleo on their side, I'm sure. But the, the original point was that <laughs> Bill uh, – props miss her. <laughs> props to Bill Belichick for knowing that, like, I can push the rule book as far as I want because at the end of the day – not much is going to happen in retaliation, and if it means getting a couple extra wins, that's a playoff berth, that's another division title, and whatever. Yeah. Nobody ever really punished us for it, and I'm going to go down as one of the best coaches in history by my record and by my playoff record right. and everything else. Like, if we just had Kelvin Shepard do a bunch of, you know, HGH for the and, like, be able to play out of his head for the first six, six games, shit. Better than like having him be a, right. a reliever, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. okay, yeah, fine. He's suspended for three games. Oh, okay, well, at least we got great six games out of a superhuman or, Kelvin Shepard. Or likewise, you put a guy like Arthur Motes in, a guy who's going to be a marginal player. On the first play of the game, he runs in, grabs Andrew Luck by the face mask, and rolls him around and spins him down. That might be a 15-yard penalty, and he might get kicked out of the game and fined. But I'll be damned if Andrew Luck isn't dropping back every snap after that with Thank a little bit know. of, like, what is going to happen to me next. Right. See what I'm saying? Okay. And, and do we have right now – right. I mean, we don't have a coach – that is instilling that in any whether it's drugs or or it, or it's like go out there and rip his head off. Bring back Greg Williams. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, we might as well bring back. Okay, should we bring should we bring back just like Greg Williams, Wade Phillips, Mike Malarkey, Dick Turan, and just have I don't know, maybe just have a big party. Okay, well, well that 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 does a great segue back into the topic that we wild got guy. wildly off. So with Paul Pozzosny coming back to the. To Ralph this weekend. My question to you is: Of all of the recently discarded Buffalo Bills, which one would you like to see most back on our roster? And I know who Easy. you're going to say: Drayton Florence. Okay, Th- okay, uh, that's what I was going to say. But I thought for sure, and actually, it was Jeff that pointed out you were going to say Antoine Winfield. But same logic applies. Uh, yeah, I don't know what Winfield's doing right now. Uh, still tearing shit up like he was with the Bills eight years ago when is we he let still him walk. The Vikings. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. He's a long career there. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, yes, I think just for, uh, for uh, my, my answer for, uh, is Drayton Florence because we have struggled so much at cornerback this year and it's like always been, oh, well, Aaron Williams is done. Well, Aaron Williams sucked. Well, you know, McGee on oh, McGee's knee, like there's always something. And it's like, we had a perfectly reasonable answer at cornerback. Someone that played really well last year. Uh, penalties aside. Penalties aside. But at least the guy, was, you know, he was a personality. And no, I was, agree with you. Yeah. That, that was going to be my pick. So yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm with you there. Um, joke answer or serious answer? Joke answer, I'd love to see Roscoe Parrish back. Just see him get murdered on a punch return. I was always hoping for that, man. Just him get clobbered. Um... You know who I would go with because we need another one of these players? Uh, Marshawn Lynch. Why not, man? Yeah. You know, like he's like crazy in Seattle. I mean, maybe, you know, we don't need another running back or whatnot, but. Uh, We say that and we haven't touched on this, but. uh, Is Freddie Jackson running on fumes? Because after he came back from his second injury. He knows it. He knows it. And and it's so hard for Bills fans to say this, but I think we went so far on on this podcast as to say it's coming, it's coming fast and it's going to happen fast. And he's going to be spit he's going to excuse me. He's going to be chewed up and spit out a lot faster than us Bills fans are going to want to deal with because we want to love the guy, but the fact is he's over 30, he's a running back and it's only going to take one injury. He's had two injuries this year. And it seems more often than that when he touches the ball, he's a liability. And I was surprised to uh, listen to his uh, post-game comments or 
uh, comments of in his Monday press conference. And he was, he's always, he always says the right things, right? He's a leader and like, you know, and he still did that, but he definitely uh, verbalized the fact that he, like, it sounded like he was pissed off. The fact that like he was, he's like, oh, I've, n I've never been in this type of role or whatever. Like, and, but that's what, that's what coach calls kind of thing. And it was, he was like dismissive of like the fact that the coach was like putting him in that, in that position and seemed to be not just like, okay, hey, it is what it is kind of thing. It was just, he was pissed off. Well, um, <clears throat> so we got we got picks for Marshawn. That's a solid pick. Drayton Florence. I'm going to go, I'm going to go with London Fletcher. Uh, yeah. The ageless one. Yeah. The yeah. guy who was not an issue, right. and now we have an issue at his position. How is it, How is he not doing drugs of some sort? I mean, some of the, the I mean, guys like Junior Seau, who, I don't know, wearing down. You know, I mean, there are some guys who just, they, it just doesn't affect him. Charles Woodson's still in the league for crying out. He was the Heisman Trophy winner in 1998. Ray Lewis. Right. Freak. I mean, there are guys out there. I mean, and some of it comes down to the way they take care of their bodies. I mean, we've all heard the stories about how Derek Rose eats a bag of Skittles before every, like, a, you know, one of those giant king-sized things of Skittles or an entire box of Lucky Charms or something. Like, some of these guys are just idiots with the way that they deal with They're all athletic and genetic freaks. But the ones who actually take care of themselves, they're the ones that can get a little more, a few extra miles on those tires. The ones that, again, do the Derrick Rose style of nutritional. Ugh. Skittles are delicious. Well, no I'm argument. Surprised, um, and I would be anxious to hear it, whatever happened with him. Um, what about our left tackle? Oh, Jason Peters. Jason Peters. I, yeah, he's, he's been he's been injured. Yep. And Demetrius Bell has been terrible. Right. Yeah. So. So. Uh, Cordy Glenn was. Arguably the best draft pick of uh, by the next tenure. Okay, well, this is Bills and Beers. We've been doing a lot of Bills talk, so it's time to segue into the uh, the nowadays more fun aspect of our podcast, and that's the beer segment. Uh, today, uh, we only have one label on the table. I think we're all enjoying something different, so I'm going to go ahead and read mine. Um, it's the Hoptoberfest from the good people at the MKE Brewing Company. Is that right? MKE Brewery uh, in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Hoptoberfest is a nice, clean, crisp finish. Good, dry, hoppy flavor. If you're over 21, please drink responsibly. If you're under 21, please ask your parents first. Okay. We had two predictions for a Bills loss. I'm predicting a Bills win. No Jeff Day guarantee this week, but I do think we're going to come out on the winning end of things. So uh, let's go in. Let's have a good time. Cherish these moments, ladies and gentlemen, because before we know it, it's going to be January, and we're going to be looking at nine long months until the Bills are back on the field again. So we don't have any more chances. Make the most of them while you can. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Go Bills! The Bills make me wanna shout!